electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people, my friends, I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The consumer is going on a cruise. She's booked up in Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, Carnival. No, she's actually flying long distance using Delta United. Oh, hold it. She's spending like crazy on luxury goods overseas, at least according to the MasterCard data. And she's going out to dinner after work from home, says American Express. Oh, no. Oh, wait a second. Consumers pulling in her horns, face of inflation. She's shopping at Lowe's for Stanley Black & Decker because she can't sell her home because rates are too high. So she might as well refurbish the darn thing with the new ASIC deck, maybe throw some Sherwin-Williams paint on it. But she's not working out as much as before, and she's drinking less, at least according to Planet Fitness and Diageo. At which point I say, wait a second. Hold These data points, which is what I live with every single day, every minute of my life, these data points, they're driving me crazy. And that's actually somewhat easy to do. But it, really, they are. See, the market's reacting to every twist and turn of the consumer right now, and it seems to have the memory of a mayfly. I mean, look, today the market started weak, turned positive, sold off again, Dow dipping 67 points, S&P backsliding 0.25%, NASDAQ declining 0.1%. But a lot of this flopping and chopping is precisely because people can't figure out if the consumer is retrenching or out of gas, maybe already beyond her means. None of that's good. And it's got people wondering if this market has moved up too far too fast. Now, look, I think it is time to admit something. And I, it, look, this is hard for strategists to admit, hard for analysts to admit, but perhaps, perhaps we just can't game the consumer right now. Maybe it's just too difficult. Maybe it's not fruitful. I know my views of the minority, but sometimes you got to know when you don't know. Look, I get it. There's endless pontification about what the consumer's up to because we're in a consumer-led service-oriented economy. Some 70% of our economy is based on consumption. So you better believe it's worth your while to figure out the consumer's on the couch watching Netflix, ordering on DoorDash, or eating at Olive Garden, or hitting the road to go to Disney World. Although Disney stock's trading at a level that tells me that nobody's gone. But sometimes you have to recognize that we just don't have a bead on the consumer. And we can't force some interpretation on a confusing set of facts because that's how you end up losing money. I, I don't recommend selling Tesla because Ford's no longer making as much money on the Mach-E. I don't recommend dump and take two because yeah, electronic arts missed a quarter. You can't extrapolate from a single company to the rest of the industry, especially not in the environment. So what do you do? This one's tricky because like so many different pursuits and plans, everything major was driven by COVID for a long time. That's why we're endlessly contrasting 2023 to 2019 as if the years were contiguous, like everything just froze during the pandemic and we can just asterisk the whole period. But let's look at what really happened. 
During COVID, people hungered down and stopped going to the office or even the store. They decided to make a room of their home into an office and felt safer outdoors, except when they were on Zoom. They cleaned everything with Clorox. We've got them on tonight. And they got vaccinated, Pfizer and CVS and Walgreens. Uh, they used the Pfizer vaccine. And they were docusiding and buying a lot of furniture, even second car, so they could tour around the safe new country homes. Food prices ran up. People started snacking like crazy. Young people stopped paying student loan debt. Older people went to Williams-Sonoma, specifically West Elm. As soon as the pandemic was over, almost every one of these companies saw their stocks collapse. We called it the COVID hangover, and many of these stocks like Pfizer, like Walgreens, like Zoom, have yet to recover. They've become pariahs. At the same time when COVID ended, we'd seen enough. We recognized we were long on money, having saved enough and gotten enough from the government, and we were short on time because over a million Americans just died in a pretty short period of time. So we started traveling like crazy and stopped buying goods. We did that until everyone went on a cruise or got priced out of a cruise and it got too expensive to fly overseas. So present day, here we are, 18 months after the last real wave of the pandemic, and many analysts keep predicting that we're in the twilight of the post-COVID plays and that the consumer is out of gas. Car sales are indeed slowing. Travel receipts, both domestic and international, are slowing. Going out to dinner, slowly. Shopping for clothes, slowly. We're even hearing that there are credit cracks. Last night, PayPal said there were some payment issues. We were talking to Etsy later tonight. I think the stock's very cheap, but the greatest craft site on earth is saying that they're seeing some of the less well-off customers spending less on gifts and more on essentials. So, what do we do? What's a stock picker like me to do? What are you listening to me for if you just heard that litany? How about this? How about going to what we do know instead of guessing about what we don't? I mean, I absolutely love to extrapolate more than anyone. More people are gambling on drafting, so that tonight more people are grilling on Kingsford, says Clorox. But I like to get down to the real nitty-gritty of making money. Very specifically, I care about two of the largest companies on Earth that reported this very evening. I care about what's just said about Amazon and Apple. In many ways, they themselves are the economy, in part because the two names combined make up more than 10% of the S&P 500, but also because they're two of the most important magnificent seven members, and they're the most top-of-mind companies on Earth, with the possible exception of Tesla. Tonight, Amazon reported the kind of numbers that I would have considered impossible just a couple quarters ago, when the whole company seemed to be, I, frankly, in disarray, and I called them out for that. How's the consumer? Amazon had its biggest prime day ever with more than 375 million items sold. North American segment sales were up 11% year over year. That's double digit numbers for a gigantic company. Almost inconceivable. Speaking of double digits, how about Amazon Web Services, the big profit center for Amazon, growing at 12% in the quarter? Technically, consensus estimate was 10% growth. But there was a real fear, and I know I had it, that AWS could actually fall to the mid single digits. I, I said it on air. And it's not easy to generate $7.6 billion in operating income when Wall Street was only looking for $4.72 billion. The costs that I was so worried about, because you know I thought they were spending too much, those almost seem to be things of the past. Thank you, Andy Jassy. I mean, see you. I mean, a real thing of the past. Amazon's on fire. Amazon says stop fretting about the consumer. Amazon, which spoke an hour ago, is telling us she's fine. I'm taking them over everybody else I mentioned and then some. 
right now. How about Apple? A little more complicated because the stock has had a big run. Once again, it was a quarter of outstanding performance, which makes people yawn these days, except for me. It was a tremendous theme of share take worldwide with an incredible service business. This quarter, services records came in at $21.2 billion, nearly $500 million above expectations. So many people are signing up for so many products that you now have a bridge until we get to the next iPhone model. That's right, we're still dealing with the 14. Now, I got to speak to CEO Tim Cook this evening, and we can get all granular about a multitude of superlatives, from the excellent China phone sales to the astonishing number of devices now installed worldwide, to the customer satisfaction scores, which are unheard of, to all of the countries that just are shooting the lights out, and there's a lot of countries. That's not going to help you. What you need to know, and how I feel after speaking with Tim and his team, if you're going to own this stock, and not trade it, is that there is a level of excitement brewing right now for a new device that could make it so that we're going to have to stop talking just about handsets and watches and services and iPads and Macs. They may not be what we're talking about 18 months from now, which is the time frame I care about. I'm talking about the Vision Pro which is nothing other than an explosion of senses that will be coming to you in 2024. This headset, which I've had the good fortune to try, will blow your mind. You will go to an Apple store and you will check it out and you will say this is incredible. This thing allows you to go to places and see things that are impossible to imagine. I can just see watching that last episode of Hijack with Idris Elba lying down on my couch in my bed because that's how great it is. Talking to my spouse, Lisa. In fact, when Tim and I talked, I explained the one thing I'm most worried about is the inability for for people, millions of people, to see how amazing this device is. That's what his stores are for, though. How's the the meta stores, the Facebook stores? I I, I don't have... I got the bad mall. Can I say I got the shortest mall? All right. The stores will be the teachers. They'll show you why this VR headset is, I'm going to use this term, don't get mad at me, a bargain at $3,500. When you get all the sports you're going to see, might be tied in with ESPN. When you get all the concerts you're going to see, when you get that MLS you're going to see, when you get world, you get global football, as they call it, it may not be as expensive. Maybe he, maybe there could be a buy now, pay later uh, option anyway. I think there could be. Maybe a phone company might subsidize it as a way to get you to change carriers. I don't know, but I can tell you this device is coming, and people will find the money to pay for it, and I want you to own the stock as a, and bridge it. Just bridge it. Do not, I think, sell the stock until we see this thing in the stores, and then you can make up your own mind. The bottom line, how the heck can you doubt the strength of the consumer if Apple can put up such incredible numbers during a so-called off-cycle year and Amazon can just shoot the lights out? Own Apple, don't trade it. And for heaven's sake, buy Amazon because their consumers are doing just fine and their consumers are practically everyone. Mike in Texas, Mike. Booyah, Jimmy Chill, what's going on? Chill Man is thinking about making some tomato sauce this weekend and pickles. I'll be chilling in my garden. I'm doing speed gardening. It's going to be really good. It's kind of like demolition derby gardening. I've got some other people who will compete. It'll be excellent. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right, yeah. long time, first time here. We're talking about a consumer staple company. All right, things are falling off the back of the truck left and right, but this stock's been resilient. Since Q3 earnings, stock's been up almost 20%. But it looks like it might be breaking out of the technical patterns of the downside. I need your help here. Hold or sell Costco. 
Now, see, listen, this man offers me two options. He offers me hold and he offers me sell. Does he offer me buy? Does he give me a chance to suggest that I think I would own the stock? No, he closes me out. And even though I like Mike in Texas, and Texas is a very big state for those who don't know it, it's a huge state. I have to say that if Costco came down even a little bit, I'd buy more for the Chapel Trust. That's how great it is. But because he said Jimmy Chill, I'm going to excuse his myopic nature and tell him thank you for calling. All right, bet on Apple, bet on Amazon and bet on the consumer. Oh, man, tonight, that's important to better than expected quarter, but it's fell today after issuing weaker than expected guidance for the third quarter. Hey, what's that? What's going on there? I think they have big motor around their business. I'm going to talk to the CEO. Then, we're wrapping up chart week with resident commodity expert Carly Garner. With inflation cooling, should we be buying gold? A little counterintuitive. And Clorox made a big move higher after a smart move, fantastic move. Why don't we get to the top brass and find out how Clorox can go up so high and why it may not be done going higher. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, some crazy town here. What do we make of this quarter that Etsy reported last night? It, it sent the stock down 13%. At this point, the stock, I think, has been obliterated, plunging from just under $150 in February down to just under 83 today. It's repealed almost all its gains from last year's lows. 
And I, I look, I can understand why some people would think that way. It's tough for an online marketplace for fiscal goods in a world where consumers seem to want experiences rather than things. But I got to tell you, I think today's massive sell-off was a total overreaction. There was plenty of good news here. Etsy delivered a nice top and bottom line beat. They had higher than expected active buyers and sellers for the quarter. And even though their gross merchandise sales were down yet again, that's the GMS port number, management said they're up over the period from May through July. Unfortunately, Wall we decided that Etsy's guidance for the current quarter was a little weak, and that's all it took to crush the stock. I thought it was perfectly in line, maybe a tad concerned. So is that enough to consider bottom fishing here for a great American company that we talk about all the time? Well, why don't we take a closer look with Josh Silverman. He's the president and CEO of Etsy. To learn more about the quarter and how his company's navigating this tough environment, Mr. Silverman, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me. I'm breaking form, Josh. Stock's wrong. Now, that's not your job. That's my job. Yeah. But I will say your job is to run a great company. And I saw a great quarter from a great company. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And you're right. My job is just to do the best we can to lift up our sellers and buyers and deliver good numbers. And Etsy experienced extraordinary gains during the pandemic. And unlike so many other companies, we've held almost all of those gains. And so now the next step for Etsy is to show that we can grow on top of those enormous gains from the pandemic. And what we said was in May, June and July, We've experienced year-over-year growth in GMS. Revenue's been growing nicely. GMS getting GMS to grow as well. And we guided at the midpoint to growth in the third quarter as well. So I'm really encouraged. Okay, so I I, sometimes you just do the schematic in your brain. What words? What words triggered it? And we have the word stiff headwinds in consumer discretionary spending. Now, I know you for a long time, and I think stiff headwinds is a term that a lot of people could use. And I would say... You know what? They're being conservative. I know you naturally as someone who doesn't want to set expectations too high. So to me, this says, hey, you know what? We see some we see some difficult things out there. I did not take stiff headwinds as meaning the business is falling off a cliff. Well, we guided to growth in the third quarter. We said May, June and July have grown. So we're feeling really good about where the business is, the trajectory. And there are so many positive data points we had in the call. And I'm so glad you took the time to read the call. I know you do. And I really appreciate the time you invest in reading my whole script. Um, But, you know, highest active buyers ever, 91 million active buyers, international growth doing really well. Households with over $100,000 of income spending more on Etsy and seeing solid growth there. Um, We're seeing improving trends in our three biggest categories, home and living, apparel and craft supplies. We're seeing really strong performance during occasion. So things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, gifting, so many encouraging trends. But we are seeing for households under 100,000 that their spend is weakening a little bit. Uh And I think for them, they're having to trade down to really just focused on essentials. They're really okay. focused on food and shelter at this at this particular moment. Now, uh, let's talk about them as, as being potential, not just customers, but creators. Uh, we have a full, full employment, uh, but I know that there are a lot of people who still want to augment their income. The best way to augment your income is to show your true self and be demonstrate your skill set. And that means you put things on Etsy. How's that go? Yeah, we're, we're at six point over over six and a half million sellers on the core Etsy marketplace. Now we've added a million sellers in the past year. So, you know, as you said, if you're a creator and the market is moving more and more to people wanting to be creative entrepreneurs and there's more tools to allow everyone to become creators. If you're a creator, you can create things and then for 20 cents, open a shop on Etsy and sell to the whole world. There's no better place for creative entrepreneurs to be. And we're seeing that. Now, how do we uh, 
stimulate people who can't necessarily be stimulated because of their income. Because I think you can augment your, your income by being on, Etsy, being on Etsy. But I also am concerned that if things are going to get tough, how do you bring those people back in? You've had some remarkable creative ads. You've, yep. uh, I think that everything I buy on Etsy, and I'm on it pretty much every week, it seems very inexpensive to me. I know they may not be essentials, but they are essentials of life on a holiday. Will that come back? Do you see that happening? Yeah. And, you know, again, we, we, we at the midpoint said we're going to grow in the third quarter. Right. And a lot of the things you buy on Etsy are things that that uh, are essentials and they just are made just for you on Etsy right. by a real human. So we're focused on a number of things. One, we've got some awesome marketing campaigns to make sure people really right. know all the things Etsy can do for them. Also, we're doing a lot to make sure you can get to the very best of Etsy easily. There's 115 million things for sale on Etsy right now. So our job is to bring the very best of Etsy to the front. And we're doing, I think, a really good job. And we've got really exciting projects to make it easier to find the very best things on Etsy. Help our sellers to make sure that their items are priced right. None of our none of the things on Etsy have an MSRP. Right. So we can give sellers better insights on what's the right price for their items. Some probably sell a little too low. Some probably sell a little too high. And then doing things to give them promotional tools, because this is a promotional environment right now. Right. And a lot of our sellers want to put things on sale, and that's going to help them sell. Well, I sense the analyst community wants you to raise prices for sellers. I like the fact that you make it all affordable. I mean, do you feel that pressure, or is it just like, look, this business is usual. We don't need to do any. We don't have to make it so that we're charging more for our people. You know, what, I, what I'm proud of is over the past six and a half years, we've done a great job to offer optional services to our sellers that they choose choose to use that make their business more successful, and that's getting Etsy's revenues to grow. So Etsy ads is an example where sellers who want to get more prominence can invest in Etsy ads. Etsy payments is an example. We're expanding Etsy payments through more parts of the world. And those are the areas that have really been growing the take rate, and that's a win-win for both the sellers and for Etsy. One last one. I just recently took a deep pop vacation with my kids, and my kids are, they think landfills are the worst thing in the world. They think secondhand is the greatest thing in the world. I have to believe I know Brazil didn't necessarily work out, but I have to believe that Depop is about to have a ramp. Too bullish? We're seeing uh, really positive signs. I think Depop's got its mojo back. And the injection of um, Kruthi Patel-Goyle and, and her leadership team are doing a great job. The whole team at Depop is doing a great job. And then Etsy's able to add a lot of expertise that I think is helping that team. So they're doing fantastic. Okay. Look, I... Well, I don't know whether the stock bottom's here or five points here from now, but boy, I'll tell you, this business is very strong. And anyone who thinks it isn't, just go read. If you read, you know it is. That's Josh Silverman, President and CEO of Etsy, Brooklyn's own. And yes, I will have my Jim's None Better tomato sauce and pickle signs, as I always do, because nobody makes labels better than the people on Etsy. Mad Bunny's back after the break. Coming up. Beware the deep end. The charts bite back. Check into Chart Week when we return. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. 
It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, for the end of Chart Week, we're consulting with our old friend Carly Garner. She's the co-founder of DeCarly Trading, author of Higher Probability Commodity Trading, and our resident commodities expert. She's got a history of making some bold calls in the show, going against the grain late May. She recommended copper. Everyone thought that was going to fall off the cliff, jump 10% in June, July. Tonight, Garner wants to talk to us about something that we hardly ever talk about that I happen to love personally, which is gold. You might think precious metals make no sense with inflation receding. Now, she believes it might be ready for a breakout to the upside, maybe a big one. Let's hear her out. Carly, welcome back to me, buddy. Jim, it's a pleasure to be here. All right, let's start with the first chart. There's a number of reasons why you're bullish in gold, but the first is something called seasonality. Right. You look at data from the past 30 years. What's it show? Right, so the data is telling us that gold, more often than not, and again, this isn't, these aren't, uh, this isn't fail-safe, but more often than not, gold bottoms in late July, early August. And so obviously we're past the late July period, but we still have a couple of weeks of seasonality ready for us. Now the tricky part is, it bottoms this time of year, but we don't know from when and where. And there's usually a big washout before it bottoms. So the, what we're looking for today is a place of perhaps that gold could find support if it does wash out in the next couple of weeks, which I think it might. Fair enough. All right. Another factor that could impact gold we always talk about is the U.S. dollar. Now, you're less bullish on the dollar, but that actually may be good for gold. Tell us why. Exactly. So I have beaten this dead horse all year. The dollar is driving all assets. What the dollar does matters. We held 99 a few weeks ago. I think the rally falls short at about 103.50, 104. So we have a little further to go on this corrective rally. But ultimately, I think we're going to the mid 90s in, in the dollar. And I'm not the, all I'm using here is very simple trend lines. You can see. Um, keep it simple. Kiss right. is, has been my mantra. And if we do see a breakdown, you can see this is where gold broke out. It's where Russia, right. when Russia invaded Ukraine and it triggered that big rally. That's been holding gold back for a couple of years now. If we do fall back into the pre-war range, into the 95s, that gives traders and investors a green light to buy gold. And I think that's what we could see. All right. Now, uh, to make a call on gold, you're also looking at interest rates as always. They've uh, squashed gold rallies in the past. Uh, we know that rates have kind of shot up in the last couple of days, some because of Fitch, some because people realize there may not be a recession. What are you seeing? For clarity, investors only have a couple of assets they can look at and purchase, and retail investors. When interest rates are high, it takes money away from gold because gold does not earn interest, correct? So this obviously was not ideal, what we've seen in the last couple of days, but this with, is rate, a, with rates suddenly with, going with higher. With rates going higher. That works against gold, but I believe that treasuries are probably bottoming. Not, the chart's a little bit really? dicey. I okay, that's admit. important because, boy, are they just Correct. been vicious. The chart is dicey. I saw Bill Ackman was, is piling onto the trade. But what I can say is in the futures market, on the 10-year note specifically, there are more speculators short the 10-year note now than ever before in the history of treasuries. Is that true? It's true. So what but they made those money people, the last couple of days? Yeah, they, they've, they've been right for a couple of days. Is but it time for them to go ka-ching? I think so. I think I'd take profits if I were them. All right. Now, here it is, the, the big enchilada, weekly chart for gold. And could you walk us through what you like about the chart? And what, what does it say about the direction of gold? So gold is a, it's basically the market where dreams and hopes go to die, right? Anybody that tries to buy gold on a rally, they, they regret it fails. immediately. Buyer's I've remorse. done it myself. It's Buyer's just been remorse. wrong. 
Gold is the only market, well, not the only market. It's a market that you want to buy on really big dips. Otherwise, just let it be. Gold tends to trade sideways and then make big moves. We saw that a six-year consolidation pattern here. I think we're seeing something similar. I don't think it's going to be six years. I think it's maybe two or three years. We've gone through most of that now. We're trading in a sideways pattern. And we actually have an uptrend line that's that's mostly held. It, it got a little bit messy here earlier this year, but that's how markets are, especially gold and commodities. They do that. Now we're back up above the trend line. And I'd say somewhere around 1870 in December gold futures is the place you want to consider being a bull. We could dip to 1790, but somewhere in that ballpark is probably a place to give it a shot. Uh, this will be the third time that we test this trend line up at 2600. Oh, my 2, God, do you really think it's possible I think here? it's possible. Oh, wow. If interest rates, it's interesting because, you know, we I don't do. really have a roaring inflation market, but they're not they're not one for happen. one. It could happen. And we can't find a lot of gold. We're not, not really replacing gold. Now, this is yep. the most important one. Okay. Younger people tell me, Jim, stop talking about gold. It doesn't right. matter. So it's worth charting a quick comparison between gold and Bitcoin. The token crypto believers term, they, they call it the digital gold. And, and some people think it's taken the place of gold, Carly. Well, for an entire year, it seemed like maybe that was the case. Uh, crypto started out as like a, a transactional currency, and that really hasn't worked out too well for it. Then it went into an era where everybody thought it was the new gold. Uh, this is gold right here in the yellow. Red is Bitcoin. And you can see that Bitcoin actually outperformed and held its own with gold for a little while. But eventually that faded. Uh, and now we're in a situation where Bitcoin is way underperforming gold. Gold's only a percent or two off of its all-time high, and Bitcoin's 50% off the I want to explore that for a second. Um, what do you think in the last, we don't have, you know, Ukraine has been going on, whatever. Um, we know inflation's coming down. We know that um, historically there's not been a lot of, you and I have loved gold, okay? And we talk about it. Right. This move has happened without any hoopla. How is that possible? It's been, it's been a quiet rally. Honestly, I think we would be closer to 2,500, 2,600. But if, that's monumental, Carly. If, oh, it's huge. But we've tested 2,100 three times in the last three years. The fourth time's probably the charm. But we need interest rates to, to settle down. If the treasuries can bottom out and interest rates go lower, I think that opens the door for gold. For but one of the things I like to do is meld my work with, with yours. And what I'm hearing is that the gold producers that I talk to, they're having a really hard time. Yeah. The costs are great. They're having a harder time finding it. There seems to be some little more scarce than usual. The gold stocks are not acting well, in part because they're not mining well. Could this be maybe a period where we're finally seeing that it's just not available in the safe areas that people like to drill? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we all know gold is a boomer bust market in many ways. Whether you're talking about mining or investing or trading, it's boomer bust. It always will be. And I think we're in, looking at a boom. Okay, so people know I always believe that it, 10% of your assets should be in gold. I am not against Bitcoin. I think that everybody has a right to be in Bitcoin, Carly. But I think right. you and I see this is kind of something that we don't talk about enough, which is that this thing's done nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. Dead well, water. I want to thank Carly Garner, who's straight shooting as always. And by the way, these are unemotional charts. They're just the facts, ma'am. Thank sure. you so Thanks, much. Jeff. We have money back in. Coming up. Investors are cleaning up with this stock. Does an earnings beat indicate a fresh future for Clorox? Stick with Kramer.
Did you see that spectacular run in one of my absolute favorite companies, Clorox, up 9% today? The consumer packaged goods giant, you know it as Clorox, Bleach, Pine Soul, Brita, Glad, Kingsford, and my personal favorite, Burst Bees, among many other brands, is now on fire. If the stock spent some time in the wilderness, come on, post-COVID, we know how it is. Why was this such a great number? Because the quarter they reported last night, I have to, I'm just calling it incredible. The analysts expected Clorox to earn buck seventeen per share. They actually earned a buck sixty-seven, up eighty percent year over year. Organic sales, double digit, up fourteen percent. Wall Street was just looking for six. That's not just price increase, but that's brand and that's consumer love. Best of all, management's four-year forecast handily beat estimates across the board. Now, I've been saying the consumer packaged goods companies are headed for the promised land, a world where they can where they got high prices that they can get that stick. Okay, but only if they have great brands. Clorox clearly has the great brands to do so. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Linda Reynolds, the CEO of Clorox, to get a better sense of these amazing numbers. Ms. Reynolds, congratulations to the quarter. Welcome back to Bad Bunny. Thanks so much, Jim. It's great to be back. Well, Linda, when I see these numbers, I mean, I've got to tell you, health and wellness says plus 14, household plus 14, lifestyle plus 14. These are remarkable. I do want to start with health and wellness because your profit was extraordinary. Cleaning sales. Now, this is a little prosaic, professional products. Why is business on fire for things that we kind of, I thought, took for granted? You know, Jim, we focused on the fundamentals in this last year. We wanted to make progress on driving top line momentum while rebuilding margins, given the incredible inflation our business has been exposed to over the last 18 months. And we did just that. So not only did we make progress on margin, growing 360 basis points behind very strong pricing actions and record cost savings, but we did that while investing in our brands. We invested in innovation. We invested strongly in advertising and sales promotion. And that led to being able to grow while rebuilding margins at the same time. Are you in new channels that I've not seen? Are you in advertising in TikTok? Is it Insta? Is it YouTube? Because uh, there's got to be a whole new generation of people who are buying your stuff. You can't get these kinds of numbers with the same old, same old. We're on all the same platforms, but what we're really committed to is getting to know people better. So, Jim, we set a goal in our Ignite strategy to get to know 100 million people in the U.S. so that we could deliver them personalized content. We've nearly met that goal, and that's led to record high ROIs from a marketing spend perspective, and that is contributing to the strong sales results that we've experienced. Now, I think a lot of this is self-evident. Obviously, you've got the best cat litter, someone who was once a spokesperson for a major cat food company. I understand that. But there's one end that I think is unheralded that I got to drill down on, which is food. Now, I mean, I happen to be a big Hidden Valley Ranch user. And I didn't see it mentioned per se in this, but I'm starting to think that the Food Channel could be bigger for you guys. Do you have things up your sleeve that I don't know about? We love Hidden Valley Ranch and consumers do too. It has been a terrific business for us that has grown year after year. We've grown share steadily for multiple years behind a great product and a great brand. And our, our team continues to find ways to help consumers use it in new and different ways. They're using it on salads. They're using it on other different types of foods. And we've launched a whole new set of flavors over this last year that have contributed to that strong growth. Now, uh, I think that a lot of us came out of COVID with something that's on our desk that we never used to have before, which is something that is on your upper right behind your head, which is wipes. Now, this just I guess this just became a habit that we got used to and your supply chain issues have come down. And so therefore, it's a very lucrative product that really didn't matter five years ago. Well, I don't know if it didn't matter five years ago. It's always been a star in our portfolio. Uh, we basically created the category 20 years ago and makes cleaning more convenient. 
Um, and certainly during COVID, we saw people want to use wipes uh, even more because they wanted to keep themselves well and they wanted that convenience. And that business continues to perform for us. We've grown share steadily over the last 18 months, um, and consumers are continuing to look for that convenient clean that a Clorox disinfecting wipe offers. Right. Now, last time we spoke, you know, I was concerned about something I take every day. I take the Renew Life. I've taken it ever since you bought it. But I also know it's a fungible category. It's a tough category. And I like it when you have brands that are so unassailable that no one's buying some other charcoal. I I can't name another charcoal. Okay, there's just Kingsford. Uh, I I see you moved it over to another division. I don't want to get too inside baseball, but do we not have to worry uh, about whether this business does well or badly anymore? You know, Jim, it's about 3% of our sales, um, and we bought it to have another growth runway for the company, and it hasn't performed to our expectations. So what we're focused on right now is getting the brands as healthy as we can and improving profitability. And that's what you saw in our results. The move of the division is simply what we need to do um, to ensure that we have the right segment reporting. Uh, but really, it's about focus on getting that business healthier and ensuring that it's delivering the profitability the company needs and ensuring that we're investing in higher value opportunities across our portfolio and not over investing in something that is not get, uh, delivering the growth that we hope Good. We he, hoped it would. He who defends all defends none. That's what I want to hear. I did not know it was a huge grilling season. We weren't able to do anything in New York with you. I wish we had where we had some sort of uh, bake off. But it just turns out that when it's bad, it's, it's a monumental grilling season. And yet it's how is that possible? Well, Jim, people love to grill, and I think people are getting together again after COVID, which is wonderful, and there's nothing better than getting around the grill with a bag of Kingsford uh, to grill people's favorite meals. And so we saw that in the results in Q4. Uh, the, the performance we saw in retail was very strong, and Kingsford was one of our fastest-growing businesses during the pandemic, and it's good to see that growth continue um, and a strong result in Q4. What has been the biggest innovation in the next quarter and, and the one that you think between here and your end could drive uh, a, an even further organic growth? You know our portfolio really well, and we have a lot of brands consumers love, and we're dedicated to innovation across all of those. So we actually launched innovation in every major brand at Clorox. I'm excited about quite a few. Uh, We have some great innovation in our Glad trash bags. As you mentioned, Hidden Valley, we have new flavors that are coming out. So it's hard to pick my favorite, um, but look for innovation across all of our brands. I thought you were going to do Bird's Bees because, you know, I like it. There will be new things. I mean, look, the standard Bird's Bees is everywhere now. The brand is perfect. Everyone knows the brand is natural. They know it is organic. What do you have for vegans? What do you have for vegetarians? What do you have for people who are sensitive to the environment? You know, Burst Bees is great for people who want to take a more sustainable approach to natural personal care. And we have some really great, cool, sustainable innovations, including refillable lip balms that are doing very well, that I think fully meet consumers' needs in terms of everything that they want from a natural personal care brand, great formulations, and great packagings that help them uh, save waste. Well, look, I want to congratulate you. Uh, I've been- I knew it had to happen because the brands are great and you're doing too good a job. And I just, I'm so thrilled for you. This is really great. I think start of many, many great quarters. Linda Rendell is the CEO of Clorox. Thank you for coming on the show, Linda. Thanks so much, Jim. Great to see you. May everybody be back here for break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. in the last 72 hours, and he has no idea what it's like out there. None! And Bill Poole has no idea what it's like.
it's like out there. My people have been in this game for 25 years, and they are losing their jobs, and these firms are going to go out of business, and he's nuts. They're nuts. They know nothing. Well, 16 years ago today, as Carl Quintanilla pointed out, babies who were born on that day now are old enough to drive. Iran has earned a place on our Mad Money board. And they just understand, nothing. that was because I saw the Great Recession coming. I got that right, got a lot of things wrong, but I knew that they knew nothing. And now it is time. It's time for the light round. Okay, everybody. Remember my first one. I'm going to start. I said bye-bye-bye. Pebbles, so if you don't believe me, play this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Chris, I'm starting with Les in California. Les. Hello. Can Hello? you hear me? Sure. You sound great. Hello? Yeah. Okay, great. So I'm calling about uh, UCTT, Ultra Clean Holdings. Um, I'm hoping to get your view on... Okay, I like Ultra Clean Holdings very much, but the problem is, is that I really like the, the industrial gases that are delivered uh, by Ultra Clean, and that means you should buy Lindy, which is owned by my Travel Trust. I like it more. Let's go to Mike in Minnesota. Mike. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Say, my uh, I took a position in a, a trending industry, and uh, it's starting to get a little traction. Just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Nicola Corporation. Okay, Nicola is a meme stock. It's a controlled stock. It doesn't have anything to do with the com- with what's really going on at the company. It's got a very big short position. It can continue to go or not. Just take a look at Tupperware, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's go to Robbie in Texas. Robbie! Thanks for taking my call, Jim. I have a question about a company that had an earnings beat two days ago, has traded up roughly three bucks a share since then. It's a low-cost finder in the Permian Basin. Trades at less than 10 times earnings and currently yields just north of 7%. What are your thoughts on Pioneer Natural Resources? Okay, Pioneer reversed at the end of the day. At one point, it was up six. Pioneer's member is a, a travel trust team. They had a fantastic quarter. I know that uh, that the opportunity is very vast because it is the lowest cost producer of oil in our country. So I am a buyer of Pioneer at 229. Already have it for the trust. Rob in Washington. Rob. Hey, Kramer. Rob from D.C. Yes, what's up? Love your show. Thank you. What's going on? on Stanley Black & Decker. Okay, so Stanley Black & Decker had a quarter that was where they got rid of all the high-cost inventory, and they're doing incredibly well. I can't believe the stock's back under 100, because I think you... And we put out some really good bulletins. I suggest you go to your bulletins club members and realize we did an analysis of Stanley Black & Decker. We'll tell you why we think it's a terrific stock to own right here. We send out a lot of bulletins. Our bulletin on Stanley Black & Decker I thought was better than anything else on Wall Street, CNBC Investing Club. Let's go to Lucas in Minnesota. Lucas. Greetings, Professor Kramer. How are you? Second day of red. I like that. I like that. I was wondering how you feel about Allegro Microsystems. Okay, uh, it's expensive. Um, I know that everybody wants to buy anything involving any kind of semiconductor. I don't like that. I want to hold off and let that group come in. The only one that I think is still right now at this very moment worth buying is I thought that Advanced Micro had a really good quarter and did not get its just desserts. It's just too good a company. By the way, Larry Williams last night noted Chartist also said he thinks it's great, too. Let's go to Edward in Pennsylvania. Edward. Uh, uh, Jim, hi. Yes. Uh, I I own uh, Total Energy for dividends. 
Right. You think it's going to take off like the uh, oil and gas is going uh, look, up? I think Total's okay. I mean, look, I, I don't like to – you know, if I went, if I went income, I got to tell you – I think it's good. I, by the way, I do like Pioneer more than Total. I think Pioneer is a better run company, and I would rather see you in PXD. Let's go to Rob in Kentucky. Rob. Dr. Jim the Chill Man. Oh, greetings man, I'm right from, here for you. Greetings from, greetings from Louisville, Kentucky, home of the 2024 150th Kentucky Derby. I love Louisville. The greatest, the greatest two minutes in sports. Jim, I have a large position in Blackstone, and every time I sell a little, it just continues to go higher. It is 23% of my IRA with a true double return. Okay, well, that is a little too high. Here's a real conflict. I love it. I think that Jonathan Gray does a good job, but you've got to cut that position down. It is too big for you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Shopify, Adobe, and Etsy. Three tech stocks that have put small businesses first. Kramer's take on an A-plus AI application. Next. so much time showering praise and companies to come up with ways to use artificial intelligence to make other businesses more efficient. And we spend way too little time on their clients. It's a shame because the story of those clients is often a heck of a lot more exciting than the story of the AI tools that they've been given. Maybe we're missing the forest for the trees. What's the forest? Quite simply, it's the wonder of small business, which is one of the major growth engines in this country. We just learned from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that its small business index hit its highest level since it was started in 2017. The index measures both hiring plans and revenue expectations. Very impressive that despite not yet tamed inflation and the Fed's relentless rate hikes, the level of confidence among small business owners is sky high. I think it's maybe the prime reason why this economy refuses to slow down. How is it possible that these smaller companies can thrive in an environment of ever higher interest rates? The answer lies in the much larger companies that we interview around here. This morning, for instance, I spoke to Harley Finkelstein. He's the president of Shopify, the e-commerce enabler. He told a tale about all sorts of new checkout methods that are far better empirically than you can find anywhere else on the web. Before Shopify, the website of a young entrepreneur might be so amateurish that people would prefer to go to a smoother, big business version, even if the product that they would buy isn't as good. Shopify could also provide you with an audience that might be much wider than you can get with your Instagram page, where many of these smaller businesses currently show their wares. Shopify stock got dinged today when it reported, but it's up 70% for the year. It's a great story. Then there's Etsy. Oh, which we heard from earlier. Etsy's enabled every entrepreneur to list their wares, show them off, have them sold in a frictionless way. Etsy turns a hobby, like my killer tomato sauce, into a business. Now, what we're making right here, as you know, is Jim's None Better Tomato Sauce. Uh, you know, I do it all by myself, and it's really rather amazing. And, okay, well, maybe I have help. Anyway, I, I, I order the labels on Etsy, and I get the ball jars from true, you know, whatever. 
I have a business that looks as professional as my product is delicious. Again, the stock got hammered today. But I think at these prices, it's easy to play by. I hope we catch some downgrades tomorrow. You feast on the stock. Now, maybe you worry about how your site looks, that it looks like an amateur did it, and people crave professionalism or, ris- or won't risk amateurism, and they don't want to give your credit card to an amateur. Then your small business just needs to order Firefly from Adobe, and you can create a digital ad that looks just as good as every other ad on the Internet because it's all about artificial intelligence. Maybe your ad's not reaching the right people. You can change it with ease. Adobe's claim that it helps small business look like the big businesses is just plain fact. Everyone's got a story to tell. Adobe lets you tell it. The small business person is soon going to be armed with all the artificial intelligence that these big companies are going to give them. When that occurs, you will wish we could own stock in the millions of little companies to take advantage of it. I guess we'll just have to be satisfied buying the stocks of Adobe, Etsy, and Shopify. At this point, you could argue small business now has a lot of advantages over big business. Shopify, Etsy, and Adobe, among others, haven't just leveled the playing field. They've tilted it in favor of small business, to which I say, I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 